Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Perspectives Podcast. Um, another episode. You can, as you can tell today, it's just myself, I'm Nick, James, and Jenna, and Kurt is absent. So it's just going to be an episode with just the three of us. Um, and I'm super excited to jump into the topic today. Um, today, we're going to be talking about loneliness, um, something that I'm sure all of us, you at home or wherever you're listening to this podcast, have felt before, something I know that all of us have felt before in our own lives. Um, discussing what is you know, loneliness a little bit, um, why is it something worth talking about, why is it something worth having a podcast episode about, why should you guys care about that, and then since me, myself, James and Jenna um, work in student ministry and are in student ministry here, talking a little bit about teens and loneliness, um, maybe a little bit about how parents can help their teens in loneliness, and, and just what as a church does it look like to, com- look like to combat the loneliness that our country is facing and our churches are facing everywhere. So. We'll do all that in the next, like, just a few minutes. Like 30 seconds, cover all of it. Yeah, that's oh not a tall order. In this <laughs> little while. Nick, you're supposed to lowball it. Lowball uh, it. <laughs> you know I'm not that kind of guy. You know I'm not that kind of guy. But loneliness, it's, um, I mean, it's something I'm sure we've all dealt with before. Um, you know, st- studies say that there's like 40% of people who are 16 to 24 report themselves being either sometimes lonely or lonely all the time. And then that number even, um, it goes down a little bit, but one in five Christians report being lonely either most of the time or all the time. So it's not just something that's just, you know, just an American thing, but it's something that we really deal with here in the church too and having feelings of loneliness, um, feeling alone, feeling separated, feeling isolated. Um, And something that I'm sure all of us have experience dealing with. So, I believe all of that. I think it's not none. None of those statistics are surprising to me. Well, I think some of the challenge too is like um, it's a little bit of a trickle effect, right? I mean, it's we kind of we. It's easy to say, well, students are lonely, and they are. But I and I found this to be the case in my life at points where it's is an adult, and we talked about this, like. I hit points of loneliness, and I, so I think that in as much as we as leaders or parents can f- kind of figure out, like, you know, how do I, how do I um, model this well? I hope in turn students will look at that and then benefit from that, you know, in future, mm-hmm. in their future. Um, I think the interesting thing too is it doesn't seem like over the past however many years it doesn't seem like loneliness in people is getting any better seems like it's even getting a little worse um like i think i think it's now like people 18 to 22 um are reported as even being more lonely than people who are like 75 and older because typically when you think of loneliness people i mean it's usually been in the the elderly generation you know people who um don't have as many people around them are living in homes or are where at but now it's being reported that you know people who are 18 or 16 to 22 i think even are even being reported as more lonely and feeling more isolated and feeling more alone than people who should be, I suppose, should be air quotes. And I think that that's the, like, there's an interesting distinction between being alone and feeling lonely because you can feel lonely even when you're with people, you know, like you can be like at school all day, surrounded by people on a team, hanging out with people after school during practice, you know, you can participate in all sorts of social things and still feel lonely. And so even if your hours are filled with stuff, you know, and even whenever you're at home, you can be texting, messaging, Snapchat, whatever. Um, 
but the, the feeling, the experience of loneliness is different than being alone because like I'm pretty darn introverted. I love being alone. Like one of the things I asked for for Christmas this year was a day where my husband takes the kids and the dog, that was important, takes everybody out and I can have the house to myself for a day. Like that to me is- You gotta ask for those things the, when you have kids, huh? You can't just throw them out. I know you don't have kids, but you should- I have not, to experience that. <laughs> block them out. So I think my parents did that to me when I was a kid though. We'll talk about that later. Yeah, we'll talk about that later, but it was like, you know, like go that's outside, come back in at dinner. Um, that's a different podcast. Um, but I felt like I I enjoy being alone, but loneliness is is a whole other construct. So you can either be alone or be with people, and loneliness is an independent thing that you can feel or not feel. Whether you're alone, like I'm alone a lot, and just being alone doesn't make me feel lonely. I'm with people a lot, and just being with people doesn't make me feel not lonely. Um, and so I think it's part just because you're wired for to enjoy aloneness doesn't make you lonely. But I think that there's for sure, I've seen a lot of, just personally, I've seen a lot of students who, no matter how many friends, followers they have on social media, no matter how many, how busy they are, and how stressed out they are about all the busyness that they have, they feel really alone. And the things that stress them out, especially, I mean, I mostly work with teen girls and relationships are so stressful for them. And they're just never really sure, like, am I actually friends with this person? Are they mad at me? Like, what's going on in this uncertainty with the relationships that they rely on so much in this part of their development? really, I think, is a contributing factor. But that's always been true. Like, yeah, teenagers have always experienced that, but I think, especially in the last 10 years, and it's not just a pandemic thing. Like, it's not just a COVID thing, because it existed before, and it is existing, you know, in this space where people are now able to be back in together and well, I restart think, all these things that they had stopped. You know, I think there's, it's been so... Yeah, you're right. It's not pandemic, but the whole smartphones, social media, it's just this weird, it's this interesting dynamic to me because it's like, in a way, people have revealed more about themselves ever, so you would think the opposite would be true. They're not going to be lonely. They're interacting, they're engaging, they're talking to their friends on Snap or Instagram or whatever other platforms, B-roll. I don't even know what B-roll is, but I know it's... B-real. It's B-real. <laughs> See, I clearly That's know my social media. That is embarrassing for you. <laughs> It's okay. Somebody it's a great actually definitely corrected, difference, corrected so. that, like <laughs> me on that a week ago, and I still mess up. I had somebody be real. Because B-roll girls are, is a thing. Yeah, that's no, a, that's what I thought. Be real. Exists. Anyways, but <laughs> one of the girls at our high school party, she asked me, she's like, hey, will you take this be real for me? And I'm just like, yeah. And then she whispered to her friend sitting next to her, and she's just like, does he even know how to do it? I'm like, how old do you think I am? Do you think I'm 50? What is it's going the beard. on here? Yeah. It's the beard. I don't know. You can be 50 and know what a B-roll is. I'm just or no, you can be 32 exclusive. and not know what a B-roll is. <laughs> B -roll, so, yeah. But I do think it's interesting with the social media because it, it, it's almost, you would think it creates this illusion like we're more interconnected than we ever have been. So why is loneliness even an issue? 
but, and I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but I mean like experts across the board are agreeing that like this is actually having the reverse opposite effect. And I think like I, in my life, have experienced that, right? You just start going through reels and you're like, you, it's this like illusion that I'm connected to what's really happening, but then you pull back and you realize like I've spent an entire, you know, two or three hours just yeah. totally absorbed in in what I think is reality, but really isn't. So have I, you I ever, think that's affecting our kids. Okay, today. has this ever happened to you? Because I know that I have had this experience where I follow someone on social media and so I know things that have happened in their life, but I haven't physically talked to them. And then you have this weird moment of like, oh, hey, how was that, you know, whatever thing that you had posted about. And it's this weird like disconnect of like, Am I supposed to like know I that know you did that, but you put life, it on the internet? I seen but you in months. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I remember even like with social media, even in high school, so I was kind of like on the edge, like growing up. I mean, there was no, like social media wasn't a thing until Dear podcast it was, listeners, yeah. Nick is Gen Z and we still I am. <laughs> I'm our Gen Z representative. <laughs> but like my first 10 years of life, I didn't have social media, but you know, I probably wouldn't have had it anyways, even if I was born now. But you know, come time when I was in middle school, high school, social media kind of like broke out and it was a part of my life. And I remember just always, I remember being in high school and just always feeling insecure because I would be like, you know, sitting at home, not doing anything. And I would see people on Instagram, they're hanging out with friends. Mm -hmm. Maybe I wasn't invited to, or they're like on Twitter, people are talking to each other. I'm not in a conversation. And so it's like, you, you're, you're involved in so many different aspects and you see so many different people socialize going on. And then you're just like, okay, well, I don't have, you think I don't have that or I'm not there. I'm not a part of what's going on there because you can see these people hanging out. And I think you know? sometimes people will take that and be like, oh, teenagers feel that. No, I'm a whole grown person. Right, yeah. And like three weeks ago, I came home and I was talking to my husband. I was like, and all these people that I'm, I think I thought I was friends with them and I really want to be friends with this half of the people and those other people look really cool and there's this huge group of folks that they all hung out and they all posted pictures about it and nobody thought to invite me. And I was just like heartbroken. And then I realized it was like an organized group of people that get together on a regular basis. So it wasn't like everyone was like, I'm going to bring out my favorite people and exclude Jenna. It was like, no, we all do this thing together. And then they went out and did like a, a craft night thingy. But like, it's not just a teenager thing. Like, grown-ups do the yeah, exact really go away same with thing, like that. unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. So I have, a, I have an interesting thought, too. I want to hear what you guys have to think about it. But do you think there is, it's like with the advent of, like, social media screens, because it's like, we talk about social media as being, like, cause of loneliness, but it's also, like, screens as in, like, Netflix, YouTube, mm -hmm. you know, TV in general. Those are also things, or video games especially, too. So it's not just social media and the iPhone, but it's TVs and things like that, too, to probably... Cause it. Do you think there's also a connection between, um, let's say, social media screens and a lack of boredom that we have and loneliness? It's so like what I what I mean is like, I feel like we have no room to just be bored anymore. It's mm -hmm. like okay, because I I'm, I see it myself. I'm like okay, I'm sitting there. I'm like, well, I may as well just like be on my phone. I'm sitting there. I was like, oh, I may as well just watch a TV show. And so we have these like quick fixes immediately accessible, whereas, you know, 50 years ago, let's say, you didn't have a phone, you didn't have, you might not have had a TV, you didn't have Netflix, especially, so you're like, okay, well, I'll go hang out with my friends. There was well, actually time yeah. that you had to 
be with people. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think we've we're so quick to fill it. I know I am. Like, um, like I don't ever not want to be not doing something. So right. it's like, let me just fill it with this or fill it with that. And it's like, it's such a substitute, I think, for a real relational. Um, and it's a you know. crappy substitute. It is, because it it's leaves like you saying, feeling empty. It's like saying, I'm going to eat these like off-brand pre-packaged cakes instead of having like a good dessert fresh from a bakery you're like no i'm just gonna grab this off of the shelves but it's like like down at the low set like you know you gotta get them off the bottom shelf because nobody wants those they're like yeah, yeah. they're like fat free and sugar free and made of plastic and you're like ah this is easier so i'll have this instead of getting like a really good dessert and i think that that's i have i totally agree with you i think that we need to I think boredom is good for us. It, our brains, like it, it helps build creativity and resilience. And I don't have data on those things, but I have experientially in my own life with my own kids seen that that's true. That whenever you like, they're like, I'm bored. I just want to, you know, play Nintendo. I want to, you know, watch TV or whatever. And I'm like, no, go be bored. And they're truly terrible humans for about a half hour. They're mean, they're cranky, they're frustrated. And then they're able, they get out and they're, they've solved their boredom on their own and it helps so much. And they are building better bonds whenever they're, you know, outside throwing sticks at each other than they are. <laughs> I don't know if I should be on a parenting podcast. We'll just yeah, that's Well, no, I mean, I found that true but, you know, as to, you know, I drive about a half an hour every day back and forth between here and my house. And I think for me, the tendency is, I don't want to sit in silence, so I'll put on music. But I, um, you know, at least once a week, I'm, I'm pretty intentional, like, hey, you know, I haven't talked to this person, so why don't I call this person rather than just kind of veg out? Because my natural tendency, like, that takes work, even at the end of the day when you just want to drive home and not have to engage in a conversation. And just, I want to listen to music and just get to where I'm going. It takes work even to talk to somebody, I think, on the phone and, you know, And you like dialogue. phone calls. And I do like phone calls. Nick, I Nick and I are scared like phone calls. of phone calls. I hate texting. <laughs> I love phone calls. But that does take work. But to my point, Liz, I think, like, it's, it, we almost have to fight against a little bit of, like, oh, I'd rather just veg or I'd rather just go into this comfortable place versus, like, you know what, I'm going to take advantage of this 30 minutes that I have and I'm going to call you know, a friend that I haven't talked to over the past month or two, whatever that might be. Um, so I think t fighting against that does take a little bit of effort, and we have right. to acknowledge that. And Yeah, no, know. I think, yeah, and especially when we're talk, talking about loneliness, it, it might not always be the most comforting, comforting thing to hear, but sometimes you just have to, like, do something about your issues, as in, like, hey, like, I'm lonely. Maybe I reach out to my friends or reach out to somebody to hang out or maybe you're in a so like for me I mean I moved here in whatever July and then my wife moved away we were joking about it earlier but then my wife moved away and so it's like kind of just me here and she's so, back though she's, she's back. back she's back yeah, though she's she back, had though. a school commitment for people that don't know maybe right, you yes. should give some context oh yes my wife moved away to do student teaching back in Indiana our school wouldn't let her do it here, so she'd do it in Indiana. And okay. So we were living apart for some time because of that. That makes like such terrible okay. people that were <laughs> making... They're laughing at me for my issues. Anyways. I'm not. I'm <laughs> wondering what people would assume if you hadn't taken the three minutes to explain. Right. right. And this isn't to say I'm like, oh, go me or anything, but I had a choice to either 
sit in my apartment by myself every night after work or when I wasn't with students and be lonely, or I could intentionally try to connect into the community that we have here at church, right? And so, I mean, church is a great place to even find that community because especially people, I know people my age are, because you're growing up in elementary school, you have these, you know, natural relationships or your parents make your relationships for you. And your middle school, your friends are the people you are on the sports teams, band, in your classes, same in high school. You get to college, it's who you live in the, your hall with. It's like you just meet people. And then you're out of college and you're into the work world and you're living somewhere and you're just like, how do I even make, I've never had to like really, really make friends, mm-hmm. you know? And so it's like, I feel like that is even where the issue gets is where people are like, okay, well, I'm, I'm, I'm not really connected to my high school friends anymore. I'm not in college anymore. And so how do I make friends outside of that? And so sometimes I think it takes us being like, well, I have to be intentional in seeking a community mm-hmm. to find those relationships and to combat that, you know, loneliness or combat what I'm dealing with. And I think it's important that what you're doing, like you're normalizing that, yes, this is hard and it's hard for everyone. It's not hard because you're a terrible human. It's hard because relationships are hard. And B, like, like if I feel lonely, the person that is most likely to be able to make an effective change in my own life is me. Like, it is more likely that the things that I choose to do are going to have an effect on my life than waiting around for someone else to have an effect on my life. And so if I want to, you know, the most likely thing that's going to change my life is me stepping out and being in charge of what I can be in charge of. Like, I can put myself out there. I can join a group. I can talk to people. I can reach out to people. Maybe those people won't end up being good friends, you know, not everybody's going to be your best friend. Like I said, proud introvert here. But, you know, like you have to kind of start somewhere and you have to go and it's going to be uncomfortable and it's going to be difficult sometimes. And that's the way that it is for everybody. You know, it's not like it might look easy for some people, but. I think we can take comfort in that because I almost feel like we as a society, and this is a much bigger issue than we're addressing here, but it's like we've almost lost that. Put that on another podcast. Yeah, another podcast. Got like we've lost that, here, guys. that art of conversation almost. We've lost that art of relationship. And so really where we feel uncomfortable, I think people across the board, they their response isn't necessarily like, oh, I'm against this. It's like they're learning I think in real time of like what genuine relationship and you know community looks like. So it's not because right in, in my mind I'd be like, well, I'm putting something out and I'm not getting necessarily the response that I thought. I think it's really it's everybody learning to kind of how to have a relationship with one another. And so you know, like you're describing Jenna, I think that's in a sense we're almost like trailblazing in a way that we're we've just lost the art of relationship and how to converse with other people and pick up the phone and call people. Right. Um, right. I did see um, someone that I follow on social media. Nice. <laughs> but she was talking about this experience of like her and her husband had gone through like the little kid years whenever you're just surviving and they came out of it and they were like, I don't, I don't know that we have... I don't, shoot, I don't think we have, like, good friends. Like, we don't have, like, a community. Like, we've just been keeping everyone's heads above water. 
And so they just said they picked a night of the week that worked for them. And every single week they would invite a different family over. And she goes, sometimes it bombed and it was awkward. And I was like, please leave my house because none of us are enjoying this experience. But through that, they just committed. They're like, we're going to step out and we're going to do something uncomfortable, but we're going to consistently do it. And through that, they kind of found the people that they, that they gelled with and they've made some really good like couples, friends, really family friends around just trying. And there was a lot of people that they were like, thanks for coming. Appreciate you giving up a night. Okay. Bye now. But you know, like there is something to be said for the consistency of trying and realizing that it's not always going to work, but consistently trying. I think people appreciate the effort, regardless if it works or doesn't. They, that speaks volumes, just the effort in itself of like, Hey, you know, this person reached out. We might not be best friends. We might even talk again for, you know, however long, but like, and not stopping at the, Oh, we should hang out sometime. We should. I hate that so much. I hate that so much. It makes me so angry. I've had that a lot since I moved here, too, because people are like, well, I need to have you and Emma over for dinner. And that hasn't happened yet because, again, she's away. But now it's going to happen, hopefully. But that actually that actually was very helpful, even just people saying that. It's like, hey, like we want to have you over for dinner or like you did and you did. You guys had us over for dinner. And then I was just like, it was a nice thing to just be like, oh, I'm part of something bigger than myself. And I think that's, you know, going back to like even the larger part of the conversation, um, that's like what the church needs to be setting the pace for as a culture and as a society even is if our churches can't be like communal places and if our church can't be centers of where you can find community then what can be right i mean you think back in um acts 2 when the first church was created it's like they did everything together they broke bread together they sold each other's possessions they they supported each other they lived with one another right? they didn't sell each other's possessions. i sold, they my sold their own possessions right <laughs> true they sold hey their guys, own possessions i'm glad they sell Nick's i'm possessions. gonna sell james's shoe collection <laughs> please don't true true but they did everything together right and if you think about the god that we serve it's in the trinity there is relationship in the trinity and there is a, a, a culture and a a social aspect of the Trinity and of the God that we serve ourselves, right? And you, I mean, even back in Genesis, it is not good for man to be alone. That's why woman was created. And so we're never supposed to be um, just this individualistic person as, you know, America or the culture at large might say we should be. Um, but I think that's, you know, an even better thing, even as we kind of segue into, okay, we know what loneliness is. This is an issue that our culture has. It's an issue that our teens have. And if you're honest with yourself, it's probably an issue that you've had and we've all had at some point, but how can we combat this? And I think it starts with the church has to be almost a safe haven of community and a safe haven of it's okay to come as you are. It's okay to come um, in whatever stage of life and you'll find community here. But also realizing that it's not just like, well, if I show up at church, everyone has to be nice to me and everyone's going to, and I'm going to be friends with all these people. I, over my life, I have gone to church that with people that I'm like, you're, I don't, I don't know that I would want to be your friend. Like we see life very differently. We hang out very differently. We have very different priorities. We have very, just not people that I gel with. Um, and so it's not like, well, I, I'm going to sign up for a life group and they'll all be my best friends. They might not. 
they might be friends for a season. They might be people that you can learn from and appreciate, but you're not ever really going to be friends with. And it's not just because someone's at church doesn't mean that they're going to be a good friend. Because right. I think sometimes people are like, oh, well, I went to church. Like, I've even seen students, like, they'll come to small groups. Like, well, I showed up to small groups one time, and I didn't make a best friend that night, so I'm never coming back again. And I'm like, okay. Like, that's not what this is for. Yeah. You know, like, church community is a, a, a beautiful, beautiful and complicated and messy thing because it's made of people who are beautiful and complicated and messy. And it's not, I mean, inherently it's not going to be perfect because we're imperfect. Yeah. I, you know, I think, um, kind of moving, I guess, into a little bit of like, how do we solve the problem? I do like what you were saying. We're going to solve the problem of loneliness. We have a few more minutes left in this podcast. No, but I think, you know, we have a lot of parents, even grandparents, you know, listening to this podcast and it is, I know in preparing for this, it's like a lot of, here's the problem. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, it's almost like you can drown in the problem and it's like, what's the solution? So I think, you know, for me, I'm like, I like to at least in my mind have a few solutions that to work towards. But I, you know, I like the idea that you were talking about, Nick, just a little bit ago of, you know, of having people over and trying to develop those relationships. I think the tendency sometimes is to kind of isolate as, as parents, like, um, like we're going to work on this and kind of keep the kids out of the loop. I think there's some benefit when it comes to building relationship is to involving your student or involving, you know, kids in real time. So they see how that works and that models it really well for them. So, you know, inviting, so I know I've, um, I've invited people over before to my house and they said, well, do you, is it okay if we bring our kids? And I'm like, absolutely. I think that's, that helps contribute to, this, their development of like, here's what healthy relationship looks like. Here's what, you know, being in a, in a church community means and whatnot. So I, I do think there's some, there's a lot of advantage of kind of fighting the tendency of separating, of saying, well, you know, we won't involve our kids in this, but really coming together as the family around it and, and yeah. figuring it out. Yeah. And again, that always, I mean, that's kind of the harder solution too. I mean, if you go back Again, social media, or like watching Netflix, watching YouTube—that's like an easy fix because it's just like it occupies me. I don't—it just gets my mind off things. I don't have to think about it. But again, it's only—it's an, an easy fix, but it's a short fix because then you're—you're you're gonna end up feeling the same it's way. It's the junkie free package. <clears throat> yes, exactly. You're gonna end it's up feeling really the same analogy, way. Really good analogy, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then—but having those relationships—that's hard because it's not instant. I mean, it's just like the people I've met here in the past six months—they're friends. But again, it's just like. It's just like surface level right now because you, it takes time to create those long-lasting or deep relationships with people that actually affect loneliness and actually change um, how you might feel mm-hmm. too. And so I, I, think, I think another big thing, especially when we're um, talking students, kids, is when we talk about church is trying to create a, a more positive connection in students' minds, even in adults' minds, to what the larger church is because I mean we have kids like they can they they might you know grow up through kids ministry student ministry come through and they're just like well that wasn't you know as fun as you know what I did in um in high school or things like that then they go off to college and then they're like I don't really know how to get connected to a church community and so they might find other communities or realistically they might not find any other community to connect to and so if we're not 
kind of preparing our students and giving them like, hey, a church is, church is a good place to be. It's not just a chore to go to. It's not just something you do just once a Sunday. It's something that you, these are people we do life with. Um, I feel like that's a good first step in creating our students and creating our um, kids to be able to enter into a church community when it's their decision to. Modeling that, that healthy right. connection for them. Right. I have something I've been thinking about and I've been debating <coughs> on whether or not to say it because it's a little spicy. No, let's, let's say it. It's, I, yeah, because you're not the one saying it. Of course you want me we'll to say respond, it. We'll respond. Don't worry. Um, I think, so, okay. So as a kid grows up, their parents, their family have increasingly less control slash influence over their social lives. Like, like when your kids are little, like your friends are my friends as kids. That's who you're friends with, you know, and then they get a little bit older. They start making their own friends. Like my kids are coming home with like call Katie's dad with like five numbers instead of, you know, all 10 numbers for me to call these people. And they're like, Hey, I want to be friends with this person. Like, but I still have to drive them there. You know, it's still my responsibility to call these parents, make sure their house is safe, you know, and facilitate that, you know, like whenever your kids are teenagers, especially in their middle school, like you're the ones driving them places. You're the ones saying, Oh no, like you, they can come over for dinner, like creating your home to be a place that's safe and inviting for them to invite their friends over to instead of, cause I grew up in a house where like people did not come to my house. It was not safe and fun and friendly. My, not that it was like mean, but like my dad would be like, Oh, well your chore today is to go like clean this out. So your friend's here. So she's going to go clean that out with you. Like nobody wanted to come to my house. I always went over to my friend's house, but then like once they can drive and they're making all these connections on their own, like you have so much less influence. And I think probably one of the biggest things, this is where it gets spicy. I think one of the biggest things that parents can do to increase their kids's ability to, availability to, want to connect well socially is by defining what, like setting that as a priority. Almost instead of academic success. I've talked to 11 year olds who have broken out in hives because they're so stressed about a test that they have coming up. And no 11 year old independent of external forces, sometimes it's coming from teachers, most often it's coming from the spoken or unspoken messages that parents give. Like, you have to do this, you have to do well, you have to succeed, you have to do this. Like, no 11-year-old's like, I'm so stressed out about succeeding on this math test that I'm breaking out in hives. And I get that that's not every kid. But I think, because I was thinking about, like, the time that teens spend with friends and the time that like, okay, if they're not spending time in person, hanging out with friends, what are they doing? And the teens that I talk to, they are in school, they're doing homework, they're doing extra clubs. Like they're, they're busy. Right. They're stressed because they're so busy and they feel like they have to go and they have to produce and they have to earn and they have to achieve. And I think sometimes whenever parents like really stressed, it's like, you have to achieve. It's to the detriment of, who are you connected with? Are your friends treating you right? Am I like, am I making sure that in my home 
there's space for friends that are going to build up my kids because from what I've seen, a person can't, like I had decent grades. I went to a school that most people, if you didn't live around here, probably wouldn't have ever heard of. And I've, I like my life. I'm a decent citizen. I vote. I pay my taxes. I put the cart back at the grocery store. You know, like. That's a I, great citizen right there. <laughs> Honestly. You know, but like I didn't, I, I don't have a good life because I achieve yeah. things. I don't have a good life because I have a ton of money in my 401k. I don't have a, a good life because I got good grades in ninth grade geometry. You know, I have a good life because of the people that are in it, the connections. I think that's something that every adult will be like, oh, I intellectually agree with this. But the, the priorities and the way that they live out their life doesn't reflect that. And that gets translated into these very impressionable kids, these very impressionable teenagers and this adult pressure to achieve is being put on kids who don't have the social, emotional, mental, physical capacity to handle it. And they're so stressed out. And they don't have the connections that will help alleviate their stress. So my spicy take is that if you, as a parent, one of the things that you can do is to intentionally prioritize your kids' social life. And I know that there's parents who be like, do you know how much time I spend driving my kids from this place to that place to this place? You know, but it's like, okay, well, let them, like, let them be bored. Let them quit things. Let them, let them join the less competitive sport where you're not driving back and forth to, you know, the tri-state area every single weekend, but instead say, hey, we're going to do, we're going to have all your friends over and, you know, have a fun day. Like, I'm going to, hey, we're going to church. Who do you want me to pick up on the way? You know, like prioritizing the kinds of connections that are going to be beneficial. If you think that's too spicy. No, I mean, I, I, I think, you, no, I, I agree <laughs> with you because we see, it's just like the, the proof is in the pudding, right? We see that so often students are like, I'm just so stressed by all that I have to do. And it's not just academics. It is the social clubs, but the social clubs aren't even about social no. skills anymore. It's about padding their, you know, college, um, you know, prerequisites. But I think in that, so I agree with you, Jenna, but I think in that, like, as, as, you know, parents, as leaders is there's something in how we're able to interact with it kind of on the tail end or even leading into it, the questions that we ask of like, hey, rather than like, you know, what did you learn? What was this one, you know, what was the takeaway? It's like, you know, what friendships have you made? Like really, I think it's, and I don't know the best way to say this, but I think it's how we're able to um, kind of converse with them about those activities that communicate really where the value is in that. Yes, they, they know that there's value in the academics, like that's beaten into them from an early age, yeah. maybe beaten into them isn't the right word, but yeah, that's, that's, that's uh, they know that metaphorically. Uh, metaphorically. <laughs> um, but I think, you know, as, as leaders saying, the questions that we ask and kind of the, the conversations that we engage with really communicate what's of value, um, you know, in those activities. So I think, you know, who, who are the people that you're hanging with? What are you learning from them? How are you contributing to your friend groups? Like, to me, that communicates a lot more yeah. value on relationship. Because value, family values are most often caught. Sure. Not necessarily, yeah. 
here's our list that we have posted that everyone can see. Here's our itemized things that we as a family think are important. Like it's just, how are you spending your time? What are you asking questions about? What are you? Well, because if they see their, yeah. they see that their, their parents or their biggest influences are the majority of their time is just spent towards, you know, work or careers or things like that. And they're gonna be like, well, that's the highest value in life is getting a good career, getting a good things. Or if, as opposed to, and I didn't necessarily grow up this, so I kept not saying I had a model, but if, if you're seeing your parents like, oh man, my parents really invest in their friends. They really invest in their life group, their mm-hmm. community, their groups here at church, their groups here elsewhere. They, they invest in their communities. That's clearly, if it's important for them, it should be important for me. Mm-hmm. And it's not something that could be teacher kids, have friends, you know, they're like, okay, duh. But if they see that happen, right. well, and they also, see it's that like happen. if mom's like, you should have friends. Like, what <laughs> yeah. kids can be like, I know. never thought of that. Yeah. You're right. You're right. I should. Hold yeah. on. Let me, like. But if they see their parents have friends and their parents engaging in authentic community, then they're going to be like, okay, this is something that I want to. Even just knowing what healthy relationships Yeah, it look teaches like. them what to look for, I think, in that. Yeah. It's not just, because you could have so many friends, but it's like you teaching your students okay, what are the qualities that define a good mm-hmm. friendship and then or there's a like healthy friends, And then there's like friends. Right. Mm. And it's all how you, know you emphasize. I mean? yeah. No, but I know that. what you're but saying. Yeah, like, you have your... like I've got a lot of people that I know. They know details of my life. They know the name of my dog. You know, like, but they're not people that I'm going to bear my soul to. And not that you should be bearing your soul to everybody. That's not smart. <laughs> but, you know, like teaching them like here's what kind of friendships are you valuing? Are you know are they supportive? You know, like are they how do how do they help make you a better person? Like what do you love spending time with them? You know, like what do you like about them? Um yeah, it's all it's all there's a lot of it that's caught instead of specifically taught. Like for instance, like my kid, one of my kids, my husband was very much like, Hey, go you guys gotta go clean your room, you gotta go clean your room, you gotta go it's like his thing, he wants them to make their beds. I don't care if beds are made. I'm just not. A, I'm just not a bed. Oh man, no one's gonna like me after this no, podcast. I don't think really no one's gonna like me after this podcast. I don't make my beds. I'm yelling at you about things, but like, um, <laughs> but it was funny because they were like, "Oh, all Dad cares about is if our beds are made." And I'm like, "That's not all your Dad cares about," mm-hmm. and you know that. And they're like, "Yeah, but like that's what he tells us every day," and I'm like, "Hmm." Okay, but you do need to keep your room, like, there's a reason we say it all the time, but like, okay, I'm not going to just stop telling them to take care of our house, but what what else can I increase instead of just like not saying that, you know, but like, what, what are the values that I want to intentionally convey to them and how can I make that happen? And that's a choice I have to make. It doesn't just, it doesn't just happen. It's discipleship. I have a quote. You have a quote? I have a quote. <laughs> Segway. Yeah, you what's, your, what's your quote? I don't know. Hold on. It's from okay, Susan no. Metz. She wrote a book about loneliness. But the quote says, it says, there is a real danger of letting positive psychology hijack the church's real purpose as because of what the Christian faith teaches that Christians do so many good things or so many things that are good for loneliness, such as group singing, community service, meeting in person. But confronting loneliness isn't an ultimate goal. In the taxonomy of church priorities, it is a subcategory of loving your neighbor. So I think that, I mean, we talk about a lot of things. That's going to sound like a cliche, basic Christian answer, right? But if we all were to love 
others better, if we all were to make it our goal to love others, like the great command, commandment, right? Or like one of the best commandments is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind and love your neighbor as yourself. So if we were to focus on things like that, because it's, it sounds, because it can be so overwhelming to be like, okay, well, how do I talk to my kids? How do I do these things? Am I, you know, all these things. I don't have kids and I'm stressed out about it. But, uh, <laughs> but if we were just, and again, it sounds cliche, but if we just make it our, our goal and our mission to actively, the people we encounter, and it can be, you know, it doesn't have to be just our best friends that we try and love, but it's people that we run into at the grocery store or people that we see because, again, loneliness is, it is a huge issue that probably everybody struggles with on a fairly regular basis. And so even if it's the, the person we interact with at the grocery store, it's the person as we're walking to, into the worship center, we just say hi to, you know, as we maybe be a little bit more intentional and we just make it our goal to love people, then I think a product of loving people will be a decrease in mm-hmm. other people's loneliness and in your own as well. I like that because it's so easy to get caught up in like, well, I have to do this and I have to do this. I have to rearrange right. this. Oh my gosh, James said I had to do this. Jenna said I had to do this. What about this? What about, you know, like it can cause more anxiety, which can cause more loneliness yeah. and it's all interconnected. But when it really is, it can be simplified down to like, are you, how are you loving the people in your life and how are you allowing them to love you too? Because right. like I was listening to something else and it was talking about like it's not just that like whenever I don't interact with people like I'm missing out like they're missing out on what I bring to you know and so it's this kumbaya Nick kumbaya let's just it all comes back to loving others loving others yeah back to no I I think you're right it's it's (laughs) loving others and it's I guess just reminding yourself it's a daily reminder of slowing down and because we can get so caught up even just walking from one place to the other where we miss like i i've often thought that how many opportunities have i missed just because and they don't have to be long right Right. i mean it can be simple exchanges but how many opportunities have i missed not because i don't care but just because i haven't been cognizant and i've been saying all right i need to slow down and how i right right or i'm like okay it's easier to put my airpods in and you know, walk, walk through the store. Then because it we're is trying to... to solve loneliness with busyness instead of connection. Right. So I think there's just a point of like, and that's I think that's what been one of my daily prayers of just like Lord, keep my eyes open to the things that you know you would be sensitive to, um, to love others. You know, and it can be simple. Oh, here we go. Full circle. Not very proud. I just really want cake today. Very proud. What's your What's your go-to? My go-to cake. Yeah. How it's like asking me to pick a favorite. No, I mean like uh, grocery store. It's like wrap. You know, is it Twinkies? Is it? That's that's a cake. That's offensive. I'll end with this first. I don't choose to eat those things because I can make better food. That's. I have a verse. I'll end with because I don't think anybody cares about our little Debbie. Yeah, go for love. I, that's right. Read the verse. Psalm 68. <laughs> this is a church. Read the Psalm verse. Psalm 68, 5 to 6. It says, A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. He leads out the prisoners with singing, but the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. So I think that, especially that, that line, God sets the lonely in families, 
it's easy to think, especially if you're in loneliness, it's easy to think that you're the only one going through it or that nobody cares about you, um, or that you have nobody. And maybe, you know, you don't have a ton of people to talk to. Maybe you don't have a uh, right now community to plug into or people that you can reach out to. But our God sets the lonely in families, and we have a God who is close to the brokenhearted, and a God who loves those no matter what stage of life they're in. Um, so even if you feel lonely, you have a God who is reaching out to you um, and who tells us that he is close to us in those moments of loneliness and wants to put us in families in those moments. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a good conversation. Good. And I'm glad yes. we got to have it. Guys, thanks so much for joining us for this conversation. If you are interested in more content, there's a lot more to have. It's um, all available on our Orchard Hill Plus. We've got podcasts, we've got devotionals, a whole bunch of other stuff to check out. But thank you for spending time with us today. See you.